Welcome back to our Bible study, to the study of Jonah. And we have reached chapter 2 with John Campbell and Derek Walker. Welcome. Welcome back. So this, we're going to, we always try and sort of shuffle around um, uh, who, who reads, who prays. So uh, Derek is going to read uh, chapter 2, actually starting at verse 17, chapter 1, and then John will pray. That's where the chapter 2 should have started in verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me, Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to the soul, even to my soul. The deep closed around me, weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought, me, brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But... I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Our Father, we want to thank you this evening for your word. We want to thank you, Lord, for what you're revealing to us in our study so far. And Lord, as we commit ourselves to you today to to learn what you're teaching us, Lord, to be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit, Lord. We, we just thank you for this wonderful opportunity to gather together around your word, us three in the studio with all you at home. And Lord, we ask that as you sit in the midst of us, Lord, that you would be glorified, your name would be honoured, and truth would be exalted. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, in our first um, Bible study, Theophilus, we, um, we established that Jonah did exist. You know, he's a historical figure. Um, and now we have in this historical narrative that Jonah, we, we, we've gone through a, a chapter one where he's thrown into the sea and God had a purpose through all that. But now we have the specifics of him being swallowed by a fish. Now, we know it happened but we don't know all the details of it. And I think it is of great interest to, to, to consider what happened here, not, not least to consider how it relates to the gospel and to us today. Mm. So it's not just a Sunday school sort of paint this, you know, to keep the children quiet, you know, of a man and a big fish. It, there's something very profound from this passage, and I won't even dare to say who should kick off here. Well, I'd just like oh. to say, in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 17, yes. it says that the Lord prepared, uh, the, mm. the Lord prepared a great yeah. fish, mm. um, which so, could... 
Well, to, absolutely on cue. Yeah, on cue. My we, water. We've had a, just had a tsunami. <laughs> We're talking about water. I'm so sorry, everyone. Just carry on, and yeah. I won't have a drink. Um, uh, it's gone but, over but your... A better translation is not that he prepared a big fish, but that he appointed yeah. a great fish, yeah. which totally continues from what we've seen before. He's in total command here. This is a fish, not a random fish that happened to be passing by, not a random whale or whatever it was that was passing by. This was the great fish which the Lord had appointed. In fact, when it was given birth, you know, when its mother laid its egg or, or gave birth to it, which she would have given birth to a calf, it was already appointed. It had been appointed way back before creation. This fish had been appointed yeah. to be at that place yeah. on that day, yeah. at that time, mm. at the moment that Jonah was thrown overboard. Mm. I mean, this is what is so amazing about biblical chronology. Yeah. Derek knows much more about it than I do. But, yeah. but there is no such thing, as far as I can see, as random events in the, in the Bible. There may be, but, but by and large, everything is appointed at a certain time. I mean, time. Richard Kent used to talk about event horizons. So something happens where, you know, yeah. as it were, the, yes. you know, God's supernatural power yes. intervenes. So this fish yes. has been appointed yeah. for this task. That's mm. good. Yeah. Well, there you are. You are a Calvinist. <laughs> I am. I am. I just. I, 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 no, I agree good. with. Let's just say yeah. I'm not a Calvinist, but I agree with John Calvin on many things. <laughs> well, I, do, I, I, I agree with the Bible here. That's right. But I don't. Um, of course, there are many. Um, there has been many things written about this event. Mm. And yes, the Lord prepared a great fish. And Jonah was swallowed. And we were talking earlier about the mechanics of it. And I, I don't think it hurts to, to mm. look at it, but then come back to Scripture and say, what does Scripture say? So is it possible for a human being to be swallowed by a big fish? Yes, and when we, uh, question, we, could, we could say, you know, this was a specially designed fish that God had ordained. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that was maybe larger than the usual. Yeah. But... Um, we often, it's often called Jonah's whale, and it could have been a whale. We know in modern classification, whales are mammals, but, you know, in, in their thinking right then, the yeah. word fish would simply mean anything yeah. that yeah. swam in the ocean, you That's know. Right. So it could well have been a sperm whale, mm -hmm. uh, for instance, uh, that uh, does swim in the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. um, that is definitely a possibility. Mm -hmm. And the sperm whale would be quite capable of... Um, of, of swallowing up a man, yeah. you know, there's no problem there. Um, fr from my reading, this has actually happened two or three times, mm -hmm. and um, although some of these stories are contested, but there, there's a fairly well-known story about a James Bart Bartley um, back in the, over a hundred years ago, who was they were uh, whaling vessels, and. Um, they managed to catch this whale, but before that, the, there were two whaling ships. One of the, this whale was churning up the waters, and this sailor went overboard. He found himself swallowed in the whale. He was so shocked, he went unconscious. Uh, eventually, they caught this whale, and it was not, uh, they worked on it overnight and so on, and it was well into the next day. So it was almost like a whole day, probably. Wow. And then and they, the as, who, as they cut it open, they found this man who was still alive. Yeah. Had they seen him be swallowed? 
the, the whalers. Well, they knew yeah. he'd, he'd fallen yeah, overboard. Yeah. They didn't know he'd been swallowed. That's it was amazing. a big surprise, you know. And um, he had, I think he had, he'd passed out in, yeah. in the shock. Mm. Uh, but he was alive, and he was all bleached over, mm. you know, because of the acid. Mm. And um, he was apparently mentally scarred somewhat. But sure he, was, was. Uh, he was alive, and that was almost a day, and he was able to... to so it is possible... Wow. And, and that even, you know, and then, of course, Jonah's fish might have been specially prepared for the occasion anyway. Yeah. And I, I have read, I'm not a marine expert, but I have read that, uh, for instance, it's possible that the, if a, a sperm whale swallows a bunch of stuff, it, it, it filters out, it swallows a lot of water at the same time. So it, it has a filtering system and the water gets ejected eventually. And it's possible for something like a man even not necessarily to go into the stomach, but they, at the entrance to the stomach is, is where the air comes in. Yeah. So he could have got kind of lodged there in, the, in a yeah. place where the oxygen supply is, okay. is, is decent. So, so uh, although, as we're going to go on and talk, I'm, it, I, it I think... It needn't necessarily have been the case, but... Yeah. It, 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 it is possible. It's possible, it's yeah. Possible. And that, that is in David Pawson's book on, on the minor prophets, yes. just in, in yes. case folks want to... Check to that catch out. up on, yeah. on David, who often went into detail on things, and it was, it was interesting. Um, yeah, so the point is that, uh, yeah, it, it happened. Uh, the question is, which we, I know, that our, one of our problems with Bible study is we have a good old chinwag beforehand. <laughs> so I know in one sense that we, we you know, we, we're going to discuss, uh, did Jonah die? In the fish, or, or was he facilitated by this sort of mechanism of being in an antechamber to the stomach that had air? Mm. Was he able to to uh, stay stay awake or stay alive? Let's say. Was the miracle, the primary miracle, his preservation in a fish? Yeah. Was it a providential miracle, really, or was it something more? In that he actually, it was a resurrection that he was actually resurrected. There you are, two questions for you, Yeah, John. well, it, I, I think <laughs> what we've discussed in previous studies, and we've shown the, uh, the anti-type, or beg your pardon, the type, the mm. typical actions of, of Christ and what has happened to him, mm. um, in order for these men to be redeemed, there had to be a death and blood. Mm. Without death and blood, there can be no redemption. There can be no covering for their sins. So logic, biblical logic, tells me that Jonah had to die. Mm. There, there can be no, if he was preserved alive, then he can't be, as it were, a, a type. A type. Um, and, and he could have been preserved to preach to the people of Nineveh. He, I mean, I'm saying as a type, he couldn't. Yes. He had to have died. Yes. But um, aside from being a type, he 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 had to be he ha he had to be resurrected be I, because this is, a, be this is an unfolding narrative. Yes, he has to die to meet the to meet the roles of his type of Christ That's for the redemption the of these sailors. And, and and then following that, he has to be resurrected because he's got to preach to the to yeah. the people in Nineveh. Because yeah. Jesus' his own words, right? Is a okay, that's here. very that helps. Um, Matthew twelve yeah. thirty nine, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Yeah. 
For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Mm. And so, if we're saying... Just give us those verses again. Yes, that's Matthew 12, 39 and 40. That's right. And, and it took a bit of time for this to dawn on me, but Jesus is really saying, isn't he, that the sign that he's going to give, the ultimate sign to Israel and you know, the whole world, really, is his resurrection. Yeah. The sign yeah. of Jonah is the resurrection. Yeah. Um, some people would want to reduce it to just the fact that he spent three days in a fish. Yeah. You know, it's just all about the, th the three days. That's the yeah. only comparison Jesus is drawing out. Yeah. Actually, in Luke 11, where he says this, he doesn't even mention the three days and three nights. So it's, if it was just about the three days and three nights, that's the sign, yeah. you might as well say, well, uh, the sign of Esther, because Esther f fasted for three, you know. Yeah. Right. The sign is not in the three days and three yeah. nights. The sign is in what happened. Yeah. If it was just that Jonah was preserved, yeah. somebody might then say, well, maybe Jesus was just preserved in that tomb, yeah. alive. That's it. That's, so this is you know the, I mean? so let's so, just deal with this point of, of what I would call reductionism. You know, to try and make something more palatable to a modern mind. Uh, and so it happens quite a lot in the church, you know, watering things down. Uh, let's say, you know, the crossing of the Red Sea, you know, it was, mm. it was a shallow area. And, uh, you know, all of this. And then people say, well, how did the yeah. Egyptians drown in a shallow area of sea? Um, but there is a, a mentality that, 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 is, that doesn't ha that have faith, basically, and has to try and rationalize. And that's a great danger for us. We've got to be careful. Whenever we read a scripture that we're not actually taking away, that's what it says in Revelation, yeah. don't add or take away that's from, right. what, from what is written. So, um, I believe we, we, we are greatly impoverished if we go down that road. Yes. Many, many scriptures. Yes. yes. And by the way, you know, if you can't accept, as many can't accept, um, let's say, supernatural creation or, um, or miracles, who, who profess to be Christians, do they really believe in the resurrection? I, that's often a question yeah, I put to that, That's right. Do you, do you actually, be, because in Romans 10 it's saying, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Yeah. Well, only God knows the heart, he judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, but um, does someone really believe? And is that the root issue of trying to, you know, doctor scriptures because they don't actually believe in the resurrection. Yeah, and, and question. believing in Jonah is a bit of a test because Jesus said, you want to know what happened to me? Yeah. What's going to happen to me? Look at Jonah. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it, I, he's talking about the sign of Jonah is he's going to die and rise again and that's going to be the ultimate proof. Mm. And so if we deny the fact, and I think it will be clear as we read Jonah too, okay that if we deny the fact that Jonah died and rose again, that, that takes the whole, a, a, a whole yeah. stuffing out of the story, if you like. Yeah, so we, so we, yeah, exactly. So we were talking earlier, when did Jonah die? Yeah. <laughs> when, he went, when he went into the fish, because the, the, we were talking about David Porson, we don't, I don't want to misquote him, but you're probably better at explaining w what David's view is on it. But the important thing is that he died. Yes, yes. There That's are, the important point. If you read most commentaries, they, it doesn't enter their mind that he died. But they have to interpret chapter 2 very poetically, very kind of, um, yeah. not literally. Yeah. 
if, um, but certain Bible teachers, albeit the minority, but including me, <laughs> uh, I'm convinced that Jonah had to die. If you read chapter 2 plainly, I mean, if I just quickly... Not least, because it is actually... You've mentioned some chap that survived for a day. Yeah. Three days? Yes. That know, with all a, the acids. It's a stretch. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. But, um, yeah, to, just to reconstruct the order of events, then it will make it easier to read chapter two. But Jonah actually describes... He basically... Chapter two is a prayer that he prays after he's risen up again, mm. and he finds himself in the whale. Yeah. But it's actually at the end of the three days, I believe. And then he, f he actually... It does appear to be. ...is resurrected, yeah. you know. And then he prays. Yes. Thank you, God. Yes. You know, <laughs> I'm still alive. Yeah. Um, but he then, in his prayer, he is recollecting his experiences. Yeah. And in two stages, primarily. First of all, his actual drowning. So first of all, he, he's obviously been thrown overboard... First of all, as he would, he's probably not the greatest swimmer. I don't think the Jews of that time were no. well known for their swimming unless they were fishermen. Mm. But he's struggling around on the surface and he's buffeted by the waves and he's mm. obviously trying to stay afloat mm. naturally. And then he starts finding himself sinking mm. into the deep and he sinks and he sinks and he sinks. And he actually gets down to the seafloor and he's wrapped around with weeds. And he, and he talks about reaching the sea floor. And about this moment, he describes his spirit leaving his body. And he doesn't just stop. And just to give us the verse on that. Um, yeah, I'll, if I can I'll, just quickly overview through, it, yeah, of course. and then we'll see yeah, it. Definitely, yeah. And then he doesn't stop there because his spirit leaves his body and he goes down mm. into Hades into, or Sheol. Yeah. which is the right, place of that. departed souls. Yeah. Before Christ died and rose again, you know, all yeah. believers went down to, to Sheol. Mm -hmm. um, all, all people went down to Sheol, uh, some in, to Abraham's bosom and others in another place. But uh, he describes that. Yeah. Yeah. And then he describes his prayer as he's drowning, and he describes his prayer and his, you know, his repentance as well, uh, as, from Sheol even. Mm. And then God hears his prayer, and he, he's back in the fish. Yeah. So um, the interesting thing is you do read similar things in the Psalms with David. Mm. But, but Joan, the distinction with Jonah is that he experienced, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a metaphor. No. Or, or, or an well, inspiration. Even, even some of the Psalms are messianic Psalms, which are actually are. describing Christ's... Exactly. Yes. Very much death. so. Yes. And, you know, yeah, exactly. like Psalm 16 talks about him going into Sheol. That's right. And so That's on. Absolutely and right. then being resurrected. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of resonance, you're right. Yeah, good. Um, but, but of course, Jonah, had, it was pretty um, recent in his memory. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's very, very profound that he went through that experience. Mm. Should, we, should we have a look at Psalm 16? Yes, sure. That, if that's worthwhile. Mm. Um, I think it's always good to have this, like, the corroborating scriptures. Uh, I, I do find that all of these messianic um, references are very profound. And of course, this was quoted by Peter in, yes. in Acts 2. Yes. Um, uh, should we start for just verse 10? John, do you want to read that? But, um, so Psalm 16, yes. or, or on the verse, verse 9, 9 through to verse yeah, 11. Yes. 
Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures mm. evermore. Mm. Mm. And that is talking about the Lord. Yeah. Quite clearly it's talking about the Lord and his post-death experience. I remember with um, speaking once with a Jewish rabbi, very eminent rabbi, and he said, he was, didn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah, but he did say that that scripture, that psalm that says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's one of the most profound verses in, in our scriptures. Yes. Mm. And he didn't know the, this is the most remarkable thing. He didn't know the Lord, but that was such a powerful sort of almost counterintuitive mm. that God could forsake Yes. Mm. It's just that one point where, yes, for the sake of all, he forsook mm. yes. the Lord at that point in time when he, was, when he went down into shale. Sorry, yeah. Derek, you've got your... Well, uh, you're absolutely the, queued up, <laughs> teed up, as they say. Well, because <laughs> Acts 2, Acts of two, course, where please. Peter quotes that. Yes. And then he comments and says Christ fulfilled it. So he was saying, um, verse 31... He, this is David, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Yeah. So when every man dies, you know, death claims the body, and, but Hades or Sheol would claim the soul. Mm. And, uh, of course, in the New Testament, Luke 16, mm. and I don't think it's, it's a realistic story, you know, where it talks about the rich man... No, and Lazarus. Yeah. One, they both go down essentially to Hades. One to the believers' compartment. One to the unbelievers' compartment. Mm. Mm. But um, I believe that when Christ rose from the dead, he took captivity captive, and he took the believers up to, yeah. to heaven, because Jesus promised the church as well that the gates of Hades would not prevail against the church. In other words, for believers now, we don't go down into Hades. Yeah. Because the gates of Hades will not. But Jonah alludes to the gates of Hades, actually going through them. And um, because even a believer in those times would, would have gone down to Hades. I, I've, I've often sort of reflected as, as we, uh, I've grown up through the 70s, 80s, and you know, 90s. And, and, and one of the great Bible teachers of our age is, is John Stott. And I've often sort of reflected on, on his view that God couldn't judge. Or in fact, he specifically he said um, he couldn't believe that God would sentence someone to an eternity of hell or judgment for 70 years of disobedience. But that passage with the rich man Lazarus hints that that disobedience isn't just 70 years. There's something in the heart which persistently um, is rebellious, as it were, towards towards the Lord and doesn't repent. Mm. I don't know, I can't explain it, you know, how, uh, what happens beyond the grave, but God does, God knows the heart and the, the soul, as it were, things that are, that are beyond what we see. Mm. And I also find it profound that, um, and I mentioned it at um, Alan's funeral, that the, you know, it, is, it, it, it can all be summed up in what you say, what you confess, 
and then what you believe. Mm. What you confess, we're confessing here on the Bible study, um, and you know, Christians confess, openly confess the Lord. Uh, but what you believe in your heart, only God knows. Yes. Mm. Only God knows. Mm. But, uh, and so people can even confess things and still, as it were, their hearts can be far from, mm. far from him. And we have to be very wary of that. But something profound happened to Jonah, and it is a very profound prayer. Very profound prayer. Have we covered? I think there's more that we need to talk about in terms of, um, dare I even open this up, but we're early enough in the hour, uh, in terms of, of the three days and three nights. <laughs> I'm here to, to stir things up and get, get the discussion going. So, so, you know, the whole point about um, uh, the Lord Jesus and, you know, the Easter the story, the Easter weekend, as we call it, um, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Can someone right. summarise it? Um, well, but, uh, well, yeah. Again, I know Derek's got... It's one of his... It's one of his things. Yeah. He? I, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Yeah. Um, I, I think we have to be so careful. Uh, we, we, we know when Christ was crucified in terms of the biblical calendar. I'm not going to put a date on it. We know when it was in relation to Passover. And that's important. He's our Passover mm. lamb. The point is we celebrate his resurrection on a Sunday as a church. Mm, that's, right. that's the day we celebrate it. It's not saying the day it actually happened. We celebrate it on Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, yeah. That's the way it is. We celebrate Christmas Day on Christmas Day. It's not the yeah. day that Jesus yeah. was born. That's the day we celebrate it. Yeah. And, and so I think people that, that try to tie in Friday, Saturday, Sunday to what actually happened, making a big mistake. It's just a day of celebration in the Christian, in the Christian calendar, especially in, you know, you go to traditional church, has all sorts of celebrations on set dates, but they're only celebration dates, they're not anniversaries. And, and Easter Sunday, as we call it, is not an anniversary, it's a day of celebration. Different thing altogether. That's right, and, and, and even, what the, you know, the, the Passover, you know, where, where they dated, as it were, yes. on, on the lunar calendar, we're going to come to it in a minute. Yeah, no, it's all fascinating. We're going to come into it. But um, the Lord did say three days and three nights. Right, so... <laughs> That's me, why I'm here to ask yeah, those Again, I, I agree yes. with what John's saying. We shouldn't lose fellowship over it because yeah, people do exactly. get... I know yeah, exactly. there'll be people getting excited who won't agree yeah. With, yeah. with us. Uh, there's no reason not to say it because so, I think sometimes no, you say things and, and even when you're saying it, you know, you can... You say, oh, that fits or it doesn't fit. And, and you, you've it obviously... people to think that they might, think it's might be offended. They might think, actually, there might um, be something in that. Yeah. It's his, um, it is important to, as well because it, this is something that, for instance, that Muslims might use as a kind of attack on the they Christian do, faith. They do, don't they? Yes, they do. So we do need to uh, even understand the details. Yeah. Um, I, I would say clearly that... If we're going to, if in a court of law, you want to take all the evidence together, yeah. you know. Um, and first of all, there's probably 13 or 14 times when Jesus or, or Paul or someone says, Jesus rose on the third day. Yeah. And the, the third day, and we know he rose on the Sunday, pretty much, you know. I don't think many people would dispute that. He rose on the first day of the week. And Mark 16, 9 says it was at, at, at dawn on the Sunday morning. Um, 
he, he, that's when he rose. And so the third day means that he was crucified on the Friday. Then he was buried. And then he rose on the Sunday, which is the third day. Not, never says the fourth day. Yeah. Okay. There are other expressions like after three days. Yeah. But if you compare scriptures, they're used in parallel in the Gospels. And yeah. after three days always means after the start of the third day. In other words, yeah. on the third day, it means the same thing. So, it's the, the, three, word so the three nights is... Ah, is a, so, and then the, yeah. it is important to say that pe some people have this Western idea that three days and three nights means 72 hours. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a Western thinking. Yes. Yeah. In the Jewish thinking, you'll see consistently through the Bible that any part of a day counts as a whole day. It's mm -hmm. called inclusive reckoning. So, for instance, you'll see in, in, in the story of Esther, Esther 5, and um, a story of David um, where this, this slave who escapes, uh, he says he's, he's been away for three days and three nights. Mm -hmm. And then a few verses later it says it, it, this same period is three days. Yeah. Esther fasts for three days and three nights. And then it says on the third day <laughs> yeah. he goes into the king. Yeah. So... In the Hebrew thinking, three days and uh, nights yeah. is essentially the same. Um, if you just read the Gospels, the natural reading of the Gospels, for instance, particularly in Luke, you'll find he says something like, you know, that the, the, the women saw where the body was laid and then they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. So this is the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments. In other words, they rested for the weekly Sabbath. So the crucifixion was on the Friday. And the word used, which is preparation, mm. is their standard word for Friday. It's always the preparation for the Sabbath. Yeah. And so the natural reading of the Gospels is Friday crucifixion, Saturday rest, and then yeah. Sunday resurrection. Yeah. And the early church essentially they did. They believed, believed that from the, right. from the yeah. start. And, um, there are, and there are other things that I find said, it sim simpler than, than these extraordinary sort of convoluted arguments. So I, I, I agree with John and I agree with you. Well, enough. I agree with Derek. Because I probably make, make it clear. Derek, I just, well, Derek it, disagrees with both I, of us. I, I, yeah, not joking. But I have an extra, I have <laughs> an extra twist on this. Oh, yeah, please do. For the literalists. Yeah, of course. All right, because yeah. um, that, that would be enough to say. But I think Jesus was teasing a little bit. I call it a prophetic paradox. There are certain prophecies that seem impossible to be fulfilled because mm. they're contradictory. Yeah. Uh, there's a number of them. And this seems to be a little bit of a tease mm. because if you, if you say, you, let's go down this road, let's take it literally, and you count, it says, it doesn't say three days and nights. It says three days and three nights. Now, even if you say part of a day is a whole day, part of a night is a whole night, mm -hmm. which is the Jewish way of yep. thinking, you actually get three days and two nights. That's right. So there's a little puzzle there, and that always annoyed me. Yeah. And then I believe the Lord showed me this, that actually there is a third night. God did something supernatural. Mm. Because, and, and the proof of it is in Psalm 23. You know, we, yeah. you just mentioned yeah, I know. that. I know. My God, my God. I know. So the whole of Psalm 22 is Jesus' prayer from the cross. Yeah. You know, my God, my God, is yeah. when it started to turn dark because yeah. that's when he became the sin offering. And right at the end of Psalm 22, it's basically, it is finished. Mm -hmm. He's done it. Mm -hmm. He's done it. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that in Psalm 22, verse 3, yeah. 
Have you got that? I've got it. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Right. What about verse 2? And verse 2 is, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and am not silent. There it is. So he, he explains why God has forsaken him, because he's holy and he's carrying yeah. the sin of the world. Yeah. So that's why. But notice, Jesus describes his prayer on the cross as having a daytime and a nighttime. Night. Yeah. So the first three hours, it was day, yeah. because he was the burnt offering. Mm. Then the sin of the world comes on him, and then the sun gets blotted out. Yeah. And that's a sign yes. in the sky. That, that answers it, that's doesn't it? it? He's the son of. As soon as you said it, I thought you see it. Yeah, no, no. He's the son of righteousness. He's being blotted out. That signifies he's the sin offering, and it's actually night. And one of the Greek records of this event, because it was in the secular records too, of this supernatural darkness, it says that the stars could be seen. So it literally was night. Night. And Jesus Himself calls those last three hours night. If you read it carefully, He actually died in the darkness. So when he left his body, it was night. Yeah. So that gives you, and then shortly after, mm. the lights came back on. Mm. So there's the third night, you see. Yeah. Yeah. So, so no, I like, I like that <coughs> um, because actually Yom, day, you know, we know it means day and, and you've made a point that it, it can be uh, however long that period is, it's inclusive. That, that's, that's very part of a day as But well. not the same with night. Mm. So the night, it... it, it can be, as you said, it can be that, that time when the sun was blotted out. That's it was night. officially a night because the a stars night. were out. And yeah, exactly. And, and well, and here, right at the beginning, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Nothing about 24 hours or 12 hours difference between them right. or anything. That is right. There's no That's doubt. Right. If it's dark, it's night. Yeah. If it's light, it's day. Exactly. Inclusive. And it's very, it, very powerful. And of course... It, even without that, you know, in a court of law, you've got this massive scripture on one side saying it was on the third day. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like Jesus said to Herod, uh, said to the people, uh, saying, Herod's after you. Yeah. He said, go tell that fox. I know. Today I do miracles, tomorrow also, and on the third day. I'll be perfected. Yeah. So that means today, tomorrow, the, the, the day after tomorrow yeah. is what the third day means. So you've got this mass of evidence on one side. You've got the three days and three nights. If that wasn't there, nobody would even discuss this issue. No. It would be so obvious. Yeah. And so we mustn't put undue weight on that. But that can be explained, you know, on the Friday to Sunday yeah. record. So I really, I, I, that that's, um, clinches it. In my mind, my, in my simple mind, that that is, that is a very clear explanation. Um, there's another aspect of this that the Lord said that you're, you, you're looking for, they demanded a sign. Mm. And I won't give you any sign other than this sign of, of death and, and resurrection. Death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. Has to, he had to. Um, yeah. But I think I touched on it a bit last week. I, I mean, the Lord has given signs he does give signs but but the sign is is that and of course when we come and talk about the end times and signs of the times there are many signs but there 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 are sort of definitive sort of validating signs and and you know in terms of the lord and who he was 
you know, as Messiah, the sign was that he was going to die and rise again. Exactly. It's not just that he's preserved yeah. in a dangerous situation. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's, of course, our faith is, is based on, on the resurrection. That, and after three days is important because there were other resurrections in the Bible that didn't qualify them to be signs of Jonah. There's, there was this kind of thinking that, you know, if somebody was only dead for a day, well, they're not like totally dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. By the way, but, you mentioned Islam, yeah. and, and this is a key, they, they accept and, you know, elaborate on the life of the Lord as one of their prophets. Mm. They reject the death and the resurrection. So it's interesting that they should attack, yeah. which I know they do, and they obviously, they're, they're, they're very learned. If you've ever heard Ahmed Didat, you know, they, they, they've, they, they've got a lot of arguments, all the inconsistencies of scripture, but it's interesting, this is a key one, that yeah. they should attack. Why? And why, why should they, you know, acknowledge Jesus as a, a prophet and yet deny the heart of the gospel? Yeah. And, and I, I, my, my feeling is that, that it's, Islam rejects that the Lord died, basically. He was spirited away. You know, he, he got into the fish and, you know, he got a bit scarred, but he got out of it, you know, somehow. Um, uh, which inevitably means he didn't rise again. Um, secular humanism will, you know, look at the historicity of things and they will basically acknowledge some of, you know, the, the historics, you know, and the countercultural elements of of the women discovering the Lord rather than men and being the first witnesses to his resurrection. But they reject the supernatural. Mm. That's the key thing that is missing in the whole secular humanist philosophy is no supernatural. So they reject the resurrection. And they are the twin pillars yeah. of the Christian faith. Mm. And they're rejected by, I would say, the two major forces of our time. Because as somebody said... Although China's rising up quite strongly, but it's a mixture of, you know of secularism, basically. And it goes to the heart of salvation because yes. it's not about bad men being made good. I mean, that's part of it. But it's about dead men being made alive. We, you know, we are so lost in our sin that we're essentially dead. Yeah. And, and we need resurrection. Yeah. You know, a little bit of tempering yeah. around the edges isn't going to do it. Jesus came, you know, to bring us to death and resurrection. Yeah. And so that that's what the sign of Jonah is all about. And, uh, and so if Jonah didn't die, I'm afraid it, it takes the guts out of the whole right. And what, you're what left Jesus with is trying just, to say. As you say, bad men being good, a sort of socialist, mm -hmm. uh, well, not socialist, social gospel type, yeah. you know, experiments mm -hmm. and, you know, we do our best, as it were, growing, mm -hmm. as yeah. we were talking about the other day. Uh, and it, it is a problem. I, I'll go back. Dear John Stott, I greatly respect, you know, The Cross of Christ and some mm. of the books he wrote. But he did write a book in the 80s called Issues Facing Evangelicals. And I, I was concerned that that was, as it were, moving away from The Cross of Christ and going into this, you know, how can we do good works? Yeah. And I, I'm not saying he, he advocated social gospel, but certainly that has entered into evangelicalism and there's less preaching of, of you know, down the line, mm. you know, a literal reading of scripture. Yeah. Yes. And I don't know where I'd go with the Bible if it wasn't literal. I, I don't, no, you know, my, I'm, I've got a fairly rational brain, so I know that I would reject it. 
because it because it does not um, it's if it's not if it is down to interpretation effectively what we're saying you know if it's allegorical and all the rest of it um, then you know what kind of it's, it's our revelation yes, <laughs> yes it's not exactly. God's revelation to us the only way you can submit to scripture as the word of God is to take it in its plain yeah if, literal re- meaning literal meaning yes and uh, otherwise as you say you're you're yeah. just you're the one in but not in the sense of go ye and do likewise Judas hung himself go and no, do likewise not literal, that literally not literalistic yeah that's it but that's according it. to the laws of language you know yes. just the plain meaning if the plain sense makes sense seek no other sense yeah. is the mantra I use yeah. you know what I mean? yeah and that's how what you would apply yeah. to all literature yeah. anyway but yeah. uh, people seem to ignore that with the Bible but um it's yeah, it's hard. We, we, I mean, we've, we've still got 10 minutes, so we've got plenty more we can, we can do from this, this chapter. But I was, I was just going to say, it, it, it is hard when people say, oh, well, that's your, that's your version of Christianity. Mm-hmm. I mean, secular people say it. Yes. So, so, so the sort of traditional historical Christian view of Scripture is now, oh, that's just, that's just your take on it. Mm. Very clever. Yes. But it's, always, it. but it's always been that way. Yeah. It's just now they've got the upper hand and they, through, through getting hold of the education yeah. system. Right, okay. Have we covered the three nights, I believe we have, the three nights and three days. Um, there must be plenty more that we can, we can draw out of, out of this amazing prayer. Uh, and we've got mm. ten minutes. So let's use our judgments. I can start the ball rolling. Yeah, start the ball rolling. Um, Jonah is pre- at the end of the three days and three nights. He's he's now praying, a thanksgiving prayer. Because people notice, why is he, why is this such a positive prayer when basically he's still in huge trouble? I mean, he's in the belly of a whale. He's you know. But the reason is actually he's just been resurrected. He's just mm. come out of mm. Hades. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then he summarizes it in verse 2. He says, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. I think that's as he was drowning. He cries out to the Lord. And he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol I cried. And that's what we talk about taking this literally. Mm. Yes. He's not saying, oh, I came close to dying. Yeah. No. He's saying, I went into Sheol. Yeah. And I, I prayed. He prayed as he was drowning and he was praying out of the belly of Sheol. And he says, you've heard my voice. Here I am, I'm, I'm alive again. Mm. God's obviously going to give me another chance. Mm. And then he, he then describes what happened. You cast me into the deep. Notice the sailors actually threw him over, but he sees that it's God. Yeah. Because it was God who initiated yep. that. And although Jesus was crucified by evil men, mm. uh, it was all in the foreordained plan of God. That's right. Mm. And into the heart of the seas and the floods surrounded me. So that, this is him now drowning. And he's floundering on the surface, first of all. All your billows and your waves passed over me. So he is now, as it were, every wave that strikes his, strikes his face mm. is like mm. part of that judgment. Mm. Because in, in the typology, Jesus yeah. took our judgment yes. as he so, was dying on the cross. Yeah. And I've, then got, he, I've got another bit of a type, just to give you a break. A breather. You've got Joseph and his brothers. Mm. Was it his brothers yeah. who did it, or was it the Lord right. who, who, who threw him into, into that um, pit, enabled him to be sold into slavery, yes. and then to be a testimony yes. and, and, and two, witness to and Pharaoh? And two months earlier, a caravan had just set off yes. <laughs> to arrive bang on time. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. The it's timing is quite something. Quite something. Yeah. I, I, was, I was thinking about Augustine the other day. I, I must have read it a long time ago. How he decided to take a census. Or his wife or someone nudged him into it. Um, out in his palaces in, in Rome. Okay, I'll have a census. Mm. God had preordained the whole thing. That, mm. you know as we read in our Christmas story. Yes. So that he would be born in Bethlehem. Yes. Mm. He wouldn't have been born in Bethlehem if there wasn't a right. census to go back to your, no. you know, your family's place of That's birth. Right. Mm. Anyway, that gave you a little interlude. Oh, thank you, yes. <laughs> next, the, um, next verse. Yes, Where, so what verse, verse are we on? So verse 4. Verse 3, he's, he's on the surface struggling for his life, being hit by the waves. Then I said, and now he's repenting now. I think this is the final wake-up call mm. where, where he, he's facing death. And now he, I think he, he does get right with God mm. now. Um, and I've, then I said, I've been cast out of your sight, mm. yet I will look again toward your holy temple. So this either means that he knows he's dying, but God's going to save him and he's going to be in heaven. Or it means he's actually believing that God is actually going to save him. God's given him that assurance that he will see, be back in the Jerusalem temple again. Yeah. So yeah. this could be an extraordinary faith because that again would be a type of Christ. Very much so. Because Very we much. see in the Messianic Psalms that yeah. even though Jesus is facing death, he's believing his father yes. to, to, yeah. to raise him from the dead. Yeah. Yes. And, and so, you know, I believe, therefore I spoke, I will be with the Lord in the land of the living, you know. Yes. So he is, he's in faith and he's yeah. turning to God and he's praying in this most extraordinary death experience. Yeah. He, 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 he is really calling out to God. Yeah. Yeah. And, By the and, way, just lift up, up, up the scriptures when you're reading it, just so people can see the yes. whites of your eyes when you're, <laughs> right, so. rather than the other part. <laughs> um, yeah. And so verse 5, he continues the story. Yeah. So there's a lot happening. In, he's only got about two minutes, really, yeah. um, while this is all happening. Mm. But it, a lot is happening in this two minutes. The water surrounded me, even to my soul. And this is talking about he's now going underwater. Yeah. Even to my soul is a, is a phrase that actually means he's, he's, he's getting close to dying. Mm. He's on the point of running out of air. Mm. Um, the deep closed around me. Right? This is him drowning. And now he's actually reaching the sea floor. Yeah. Remember, it wasn't in the middle of the ocean. It was no, weeds wrapped of the around. The weeds. Down. Yeah. And he says, I went down to the moorings of the mountains. So that's the that's sea floor. Exactly. All right? Exactly. Sea floor. Yeah. Uh, so he's reaching the sea floor after about two minutes. By the way, this is really profound. As soon as you cross over into accepting that this is, as it were, uh, giving some insight into the Lord mm. Jesus mm. and his death and where he went... There, there's some really powerful yes. themes here on there. Yeah. So, so carry on with Jonah, but then we might draw out sure. some of what the Lord was Well, the next phrase is interesting because he reaches the sea floor and this is when he leaves his body. Yeah. He's, he dies. Yeah. The fish hasn't swallowed him yet, all right? The fish is going to come along later and scoop him up, up from the sea floor. But notice he says... The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. That's the gates of hell. Yeah. You know, the, the yeah. bars on the gates. That's right. So he's, he's saying he now goes down under the earth mm. and, the, the, as it were, the gates of hell closed behind him. Mm. And now he is going down 
Mm. So this place where the souls would go at death. Mm. And then he says, yet you have brought up my life from the pit. Now the pit was another word for Hades. Yeah. All right. So he is now rejoicing, even though he went down. And Jesus says to the heart of the earth, doesn't he? Yeah. Three days and yes. three nights in the heart yes. of the earth. That's why I believe that Jonah was actually dead for those three days. Yeah. Not just for a few minutes. He yes. was dead for the three days because the miracle, the sign of Jonah is a resurrection after three days. Yeah. So can I zap something in here from Romans chapter 10 where it says of the Lord um, Jesus, uh, first in verse 6, it says, But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, mm. Or who will descend into the abyss, mm. the deep, which yes. is what we're talking about. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. And then he goes on and talks about the yes. word in your mouth. Um, uh, what is Paul saying there? Is he, is he literally alluding to the same as we're discussing yeah. here? Yeah, exactly. because when Christ died, his body went into the grave because Jesus had to taste death for us. Yeah. And death... Um, there's the death of the body, but there's also, yeah. you know, um, what happens to the soul. Yeah. And Jesus, as a man, had to experience death in its yeah. fullness, if you like. He yeah. tasted death for all of us. So his spirit went down into to Hades, yeah. um, and which and Ephesians 4 calls it, the low, he descended to the lowest, lower parts of the earth. Mm, that's right. Yeah. And he said it would be in, he would go to the heart of the earth. Well, the, his grave is not the heart of the earth. It's right on the surface. So he's saying, and he's saying, just like Jonah, I'm, I'm the greater than Jonah, but just like Jonah, he went down to the heart of the earth yeah. uh, for three days and three nights. Likewise, myself. So, yeah, I take that literally. Some people say, try and argue that Sheol is just the grave like the NIV will translate it as the grave, yeah. unfortunately. But um, it's clear if you look at all the references to Sheol in the Bible, yeah. this, is, this is not simply the grave mm -hmm. for the body. It's, it's a place so, so when we're soul. talking about the Lord Jesus, um, it wasn't just a matter that he suffered for us and that the, 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 the crown of thorns, the piercing, the nails, it's this, yes, what he went through. Because he had to take the punishment for us, and the yeah. punishment wasn't only death, it was what was consequent upon that death. Mm. And that was because, a sentence, yeah. sentence yeah. to eternity. He didn't have to do it for yeah. eternity, but he had to taste it for us. Mm. And of course, in the case of the Lord Jesus, it then said he went and he preached. I'm throwing in another one, which I'm, it's one of these questions that arises that he preached to the spirits down. In his in resurrection, I think, he yes. did that when okay. he was made alive in the spirit. Yep. Okay. Putting those scriptures together. Good. One, one scripture talks about him preaching the gospel. That's right. To, to actually the believers yep. in Hades. He yep. pre 1 Peter 4, 6, roughly. Yep. He preached the gospel to them and basically said, oh, yeah. I'm the Messiah, I've died okay, for your boys. sins, yeah. Yeah. Do, you know, and they, that's when I believe they were born again. Yeah. And then he, in his resurrection, he was able to take them up to heaven. Mm. He ascended, when he ascended on high, he took captivity captive. There's other verses about him preaching, proclaiming his victory to yeah. certain 
yes. fallen angels yes. who were in Tartarus in the lowest yeah. place of the abyss. Yeah. Where he proclaimed his victory to them as well. So yes, for a lot of it. That so would be yeah, no. I mean, it's as exactly we say, it is deep. It is. Um, now we're in the last couple of minutes. How far are we going to get uh, towards um, verse ten? Where where are we going to? Well, so maybe just, just I verse broke seven. Your flow, so keep no, reading. Just yeah. verse seven, probably, because yeah. the, the other is a separate thing. Okay. Verse seven. When my soul fainted within me, that's his actual death. Yeah. Um, I remembered the Lord. Mm. So he's turning to God in this crisis. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Mm -hmm. So he, he's saying, God, you heard my prayer. It was like a deathbed prayer, you might say. Yeah. And, and he prayed also from the belly of hell, Hades. And God, but the prayer got through. Yeah, <laughs> got through into the holy, got through into heaven. Yeah. And, and God then resurrected him yeah. and brought him, reunited his spirit with his body. And he finds himself... In, in this big fish. Yeah. Uh, but he's rejoicing because he knows that what God started, he's going to finish. You know, God isn't going to rescue yeah. him. It's clear that God has a, a purpose for his life yeah. still. He's going to give him another chance. God so is so the this God goes back, John. Chance. We're just right at, near, near the end, but you were saying last week or the week before about God being patient, you know, and that he, you know, by his grace, he'll hear. And yes. it seems as though even in this situation... Yes. It does, there, it does. There's a principle that God is gracious. He is gracious. Mm. And, and although it doesn't quote it directly, I just get the feel of Job here. Mm. It's sort of Job-like prayer. And it's, mm. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Mm. And, and, and you, you know that, uh, you just know that Jonah knows that his Redeemer liveth and he's going to get through this. There's something mm. in this prayer which is so victorious, yes. even, even in his... If suffering is the right word, even yeah. in, as he goes through the business of dying and what he experiences, mm. he doesn't doubt for a moment. Mm. Even though he has his faults, he is a tremendous believer. Tremendous yes. believer. Yes. Yeah. He is believing against all the odds. He is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it is a privilege, isn't it? We, we, we have, uh, the tragedy is, as I often said, people aren't reading these scriptures. But what a privilege when you see, you have these little insights the lord shines a light on something that's beyond us really yes and we we see uh, we have the benefit of jonah's insights what he experienced before the lord and the fact that he wrote it down for us and conveyed it from the 8th century bc to us today so we have much to be thankful for i've got a countdown i think i'm finished we'll see you next week <laughs>